So the most beautiful and profound question there is, is who's actually experiencing this world? Who's actually listening to that music? Who's looking at Lisa now? Who's experiencing and experiencing this? Who experiences life? We think we experience life and we have lots of definitions to who or what we are. We're a happy person, we're a tall person, a slim person. We've had good experiences, bad experiences. We like things, we don't like things. We're angry, sad, joyful. We have a particular home. We have um, certain experiences. And we think that's who's experiencing this world, that somebody inside here is experiencing. And we think that that person chooses. It chooses its reality and it chooses what to do. It chooses its actions. It chooses its behavior. So we believe that who we are is somebody that lives inside of this body, like a soul or something, and that that person is experiencing life now. And that that person is a separate entity and can choose things and make decisions. The person that we think we are isn't really sure how it makes decisions, but it believes that it's through past experience and through thinking about it. But the person isn't really sure where thoughts come from or how thoughts appear, but it's convinced that that, that's it, that's who you are, and it has free will and choice. Even though right now it doesn't know how it breathes, it doesn't know how it thinks, it doesn't know how it moves the arms, it says, I move it. And then this gives the appearance that somebody's in there doing something. And it doesn't even say it as such, it's just a feeling of me. Sometimes it's reporting back and sometimes not, but it's a feeling that there's somebody in here doing something. But who is this person? Who are you that does things? Most of the time we want to talk about how to heal our emotions or relax or feel better. But who is this I that's experiencing life? Who looks now? There's nothing actually looking out of these eyes. This is emptiness experiencing itself. But not emptiness like you imagine it. Emptiness as in... There isn't a location or there isn't a thing inside this body that's experiencing life now. There isn't something inside that's looking out and perceiving this world. There is only perception happening which doesn't belong to someone. That's really beautiful. And the really crazy part is, is we think that we're inside, we are somebody and we're perceiving from inside the body. But actually, perceiving is everything. Perceiving is the nature of all things and isn't separate from all things. And the perceiving and the world and the senses, so the senses, the world and the perceiving are all one thing. It feels like it's separated out, just like in a dream at night. It feels like you dream and you're looking through a body in the dream and you're looking at a separate world from that body. But actually, everything in that whole entire dream is your dream and the whole thing is perceiving itself. It's not that inside the body of the person that's looking at the dream there is a perceiver. There is only perceiving everywhere. 
because it's your dream it's appearing in your dream so you're not actually looking through that body that you're dreaming of at night the whole dream is experiencing itself just like now but it's designed to look through particular objects so this is designed to be the Lisa dream and that dream whoever's listening it's designed to be that person's dream so what can happen is a movement from being an independent experiencer, so somebody inside the body experiencing, to boundlessness experiencing. But that doesn't belong to someone. That's not somebody waking up. It's life waking up to itself. And this is totally mysterious. This isn't something we understand. How could you understand it? Thoughts and understanding appear in this. It's not something you can understand thoughts cannot grasp it everything I say can be flushed down the toilet because it can't be truth but when I'm speaking there can be a remembering of what's being spoken about all there is is what's happening which is so beautiful and any conclusions that you make from that isn't true she's saying there is nobody so there's nothing I can do She's saying there is nobody, so that means there's no morality, so then I can do bad things and it's okay because nobody's doing it. She's saying I can do anything because there is nobody. I'm not saying any of those things. If I was, I would say them. If I haven't actually said them, there's a reason. There is nobody experiencing this. There's nobody looking out of the eyes. There is simply everything, and that is itself. So this is everything knowing itself. This is God knowing itself. It's not somebody looking from here. It's not located. That means there is nobody that is victim. There is nobody that's perpetrated. That does not mean that I'm recommending going out and being a murderer or a bad person. Lisa's actually got lots of morality. The body, the character Lisa, doesn't like to use two chemical products. She's a vegetarian. She likes to eat organic, although sometimes goes for the cheaper object, op, um, option. It doesn't mean any of that. What it's saying is that there is nobody having an experience. The body can have morality. The body does. I don't go into somebody's driveway and shit on their... Um, front drive although sometimes I let Khaleesi but that's my bad morality pavillon, pavillon. I'm joking I don't let Khaleesi poop on anybody's grass of course I don't and if she does I pick it up just a joking so of course there's a natural morality in the book but I don't sit there and and no I'm gonna get gross okay you can hold off Lisa so there's a natural flow of things I don't punch people in the face if they annoy me maybe in sex but not the rest of the time but that's not somebody's that doesn't belong to someone it's just the body the conditioning of this body the makeup of this body and this body is always up for changing and could be different and everything I say about it might contradict because there is no solid entity the body's always responding to whatever it's in contact with but ultimately there is nobody having an experience there's nobody behind this looking out there is simply looking there's simply experiencing happening and traditionally um, in non-duality they call it consciousness there's only consciousness and everything is consciousness 
Um, but consciousness is a really confusing word because then you've got awareness, which is the personal awareness of the person, and that doesn't go. So Lisa has self-awareness. She can put a makeup on. She can tidy her hair in the Ustream, uh, in the live stream camera. Um, she can match her jumper with her trousers. She can also be aware if she's done something shitty and not very nice and apologize for that. But that's not somebody. That's a functioning of the body. That's a happening in this. And it happens by itself and belongs to no one. Lisa can always so choose and she often chooses a cup of tea and she chooses it in her favorite travel mugs. These mugs are amazing. I haven't been paid to sponsor them, but these mugs are the best travel mugs. I've got a little bit of a thing for cups and travel mugs. Best I've ever, ever come across. Now, did I get paid for that advertisement? Is Lisa taking a backhand uh, from the advertising company? Very immoral. Advertising is very immoral in our society. She's got no morality. That's because she is nobody. It's funny how now the cup is bigger than my head. So what's real? So now to you it looks like the cup is bigger than my head. But is the reality that my head is bigger than the cup? Just because you can imagine that my head is bigger than the cup? My head could be even smaller. And so when identification happens, when the separate person happens, it's all about seeking. It's all about seeking to try and get home again, to try and get to wholeness to try and find that place of comfort because as soon as identification happens you've cut off from everything so there's a discomfort that arises and then the two primary emotions that arise from that separation the strong emotions is I've done something wrong I've been abandoned by wholeness by home by God so there's this initial feeling of lack and then there's this fear I'm in relationship with this huge world and I'm afraid and these feelings these two primary feelings that manifest in the body keep resurfacing again and again and again and they get emphasized by the seeking so over time that sense of not being enough and that sense of fear grows so we now in western society have very strong sense of lack and fear even though we live in a very fruitful society and we live in a society with plenty not all western societies but a lot of them and even though we don't have the, the fear that we used to have and that we, we have in more maybe Eastern countries of um, survival issues, there's so much fear and lack that comes up because our society is constantly um, giving feedback that there is something to lack and there is something to be afraid of. Our, our advertising industry is based on that, that you're not complete as you are and therefore you need all these things in order to be valuable. You can't just walk down the street as you are. You have to walk down the street with your Gucci. See, this is Gucci. You have to walk down the street with your push-up bra on, with your um, nice trousers on, with your hair done nicely. You, in certain societies you can't have tattoos in some societies you can have tattoos you have to wear your makeup according to society and in some societies you have to have this colour hair and some societies that colour hair and blah 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 so it's always telling you you're not enough as you are so you keep trying to live up to everybody's expectations and it will never ever bring you happiness 
And then over time, it becomes a habit. And this habit is caging and uncomfortable, but the separate person doesn't know what else to do. And because it's a habit, sorry, I just got to plug in. Because it's a habit, it keeps doing it again and again and again. And then it keeps coming up, that lack. And we do really mean things in states of lack and in states of fear, but mostly lack. When we feel lackful, so when we feel jealous or we feel not enough, we do really mean things to people, including murder or um, hateful things, like putting down people we call friends just because we feel jealous or going behind their back, being nasty, doing nasty things because we feel lower than. Um, And our mind gets used to constantly comparing So here we are, we're this person and constantly in comparison to something better or something worse. And then this becomes the habit. So the thinking becomes based around this. And then over time, the thoughts become more worrisome, more low self-esteem, because that's what's being encouraged. You keep buying these things in order to feel worthy, but you're encouraging the thoughts of and the feelings of not being worthy. And then everything that happens to us is about lack or fear. That happened to me because I'm not worthy. And it's not like the thoughts attract things, but it's a flow. It's like a river. So when you have really low self-esteem, you attract that. And that's what you see. But it's not like you attract it because there's a separate entity. It's just the flow of things. It's just the body moves that way because that's the way it's programmed to always feel not enough. So it always goes for not enough. It always feels broke. It always feels poor. It never treats itself. It always feels unloved. So it picks relationships with no love. Because if it had a relationship with love, then you wouldn't feel valid as your sense of self. Somebody loved you, you'd be like, "Ah, run, run. And everything becomes about this seeking game to validate who you believe you are. Everything. From the way you look, from the way you walk, to the way you talk, to what you go after. You think you most probably do your job because you love it, but it's most probably because it makes you feel acceptable to be alive. Everything. When the identification is there, the whole life has been like that, built like that. And in the seeker's world, happiness is getting and happiness is being successful and validated and striving for the future. It's nothing to do with what's actually happening. It's all to do about getting, 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 getting. And right now you're listening to this and you think that you're there listening to this learning, but actually there is nobody sitting there listening and learning. There is a collapsing of that energy And then your true nature comes through, which doesn't have a memory, doesn't have an ability to learn this. It just is the amnes that was always there when your thoughts, your ideas changed, your feelings changed. Always there, but the seeker covers it and always looks in the next moment. This aliveness, this beingness that's here, present, only present, only present. Hello, Alango. Lengo is falling again. Me, 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 me. This is it, baby. Your, your, your freedom, everything that you've ever looked for was right under your nose. It was so close, but you never looked there. 
How could you be enough as you are, as your essence? You, you, the separate person, always thought you weren't enough, so looked elsewhere. But your essence, that which is there all the time, is so complete and whole. It's just veiled by the illusory you. And that essence is everything. It's everywhere. And it's not a thing. It's empty and full simultaneously. It's everything and nothing simultaneously. It's creator of all things. It creates the body, it creates the trees, it creates the light. So your nature is so powerful and strong. And so all those times that you feel victim to life is such a lie. Because you've never been that person that felt victim to life. You've been the creator which is behind all things. You're God. Omnipresence. Absolute strength and power. The creator of the whole entire universe. It's so beautiful. Um, my like, I was uh, my question. I was thinking today. Yeah. Um, it's like normally I have a pretty clear idea um, about like what I don't know. It's hard to explain. Like about what non um, about what non duality is, or maybe like what it might feel like to be um, enlightened or something, but. Today I was just thinking, I really don't know, like, what what would be the difference when you say boundlessness, experiencing everything, between what it's like for me to just be sitting here now, like, how would it be any different? I don't know, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Um, that's really hard to explain, it's like trying to explain the taste of something, or the, to explain experiences, it's really complicated. It's just, it's basically the end of suffering, so it no longer feels like somebody's having an experience. It's not the end of pain and pleasure, and it's, it's not, uh, it's not the end of pain and pleasure, and it's um, not the end of um, problems as such, but it's the end of somebody watching this and having an experience. Hello? Yeah. Oh, you're still there. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I'm just trying to think about that. Um, okay, so, but how about like, I know, um, I know that I still feel like a person a lot of the time, but right now, I don't feel like I am someone having an experience. So I still don't see how it's any different. Well, what do you feel like? Mm, I don't know really. Like. Obviously, I can see everything around me that I can see. Sometimes I'm just I'm just doing things, things you know. I just do things without really thinking, if you know what I mean. Things are just happening. Yeah. Yeah, but. Well, so right now, what's the experience? Experience. Yeah. Um. Like, what's the sensations in the body? What's 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 the experience of sitting there like? Yeah, um, the experience is obviously a lot of it is visual. I can hear you uh, in my body. I suppose I feel like a bit. Um, my stomach sometimes gets a bit of tension and stuff. I can feel that when I put my attention into my body. I can then feel other things like my feet, my hands, um, sitting on the chair. Um, 
But yeah, no, my body feels all right. So where does, it, where does your edge feel like it is? This is what I mean. I don't feel like I have an edge at the moment, really. Like, I don't know. I'm not sitting here thinking about myself talking to you. I'm yeah. just sitting here talking to you. Yeah. I don't really know what to say to that. That's that's the experience, then. Yeah. Um, so, but underneath your question, what what are you asking? Are you asking if... Is it because you feel like you you can't trust yourself or you don't know... Like where does that question come from? What are you looking for from the answer? Um, well, I wanted to ring in because um, I've kind of been on this non-duality trail for a long time and... I've always felt like, you know, I'm trying to get somewhere. Um, and for so I can't believe that I don't know, I don't understand why my urge is to ring in, but a lot of the time when I know that you're doing a stream or sometimes I just think, oh, I'd like to do a, have a session with Lisa or something. So I guess, yeah, maybe, I'm, maybe I am trying to get somewhere. Um, but this is where I find it also, really hard to connected you Sam because I feel like you're a little cut off from what you're feeling yeah from what the actual experience is in the body try going into the body, the body now yeah. and, see, and see like just shut your eyes and see what the actual experience is happening in your body yeah well as you said that like I feel my body and it's quite tense actually like especially in the stomach um, tense, maybe a bit nervous or something, I don't know. Um, yeah. So just sit and put your attention there for a moment. And just relax the body. And then just see if you can ask yourself what it is that you really want. What it is that I want. Okay. <laughs> Obviously, right now, I, I want to be talking to you, it seems like. <laughs> but more long-term, I'm not so sure. Really. But not long-term. <laughs> just just yeah. go back into the body and feel it again. Like, go underneath yeah. wanting to talk to me. What feelings do you have underneath that? Like, so go deeper than wanting to talk to me. Yeah. There is a kind of... Before I felt the tension and everything, there's a kind of a... It's kind of like nothing's there, that's the thing, like... There's a quite a bit, there's a bit of space, hang on, let me think about the body as well. Um, um, I've got a fair bit of energy at the moment. I could do lots of things. Um... I guess, yeah, I want to... Maybe I've got this idea about getting rid of a sense of self and waking up. And I guess I'm kind of chasing that. And why do you want that? So try to go deeper than <laughs> that. Why do you want that? I can't feel it right now, but a lot of the time I have a lot of feelings about not liking myself. Yeah. Things about myself, wanting to be different. Yeah. 
so I guess it could be a kind of a way to escape what you know yeah. how I feel about myself and want something else yeah Everything is about that, not just non-duality. And I'm not saying in any way that you should stop listening to non-duality. It's beautiful, the exploration of it, and it is the end of suffering. But everybody is seeking... Everything that you do is about seeking what you fear you lack or don't have. Everything. Yeah. And so, basically, everything you do, where it be the way you speak to people or the way you interact with people or listening to non-duality, it's all about adding to yourself because you feel like there's something you haven't got. And that doesn't mean not listening to non-duality or quitting the subject because you suddenly realise that you're doing it in order to get something to complete yourself. But the reason that you're interested is because it gives you something. So therefore, you have this dislike for yourself. So therefore, you want yourself to disappear. So my talks about there not being a sense of self suit you <laughs> yeah and this is that makes sense this is always so in everything so in the lover you pick the the woman that you'll pick is what you lack you don't actually love them we say we love you and you complete me actually the completing you is true because what you pick in a woman or what you pick in a partner or a friend is what you feel you don't have there's also another part about smell and there is this natural attraction but it's often you pick someone that validates you and, and which has qualities which fulfill you in some way, which validate you in some way. It's everything, your job, everything is about that. And if you have low self-esteem, maybe you never go for a job in which you feel like you deserve because the, the job that you have validates that low self-esteem. Everything is about maintaining the sense of self when you're separate. There isn't any exception for that. Any exception. So if you were to just try and say, I listen to non-duality because I like it, there can be the resonance with it, which is an underlying thing, where you resonate with um, uh, non-duality and you, you remember yourself. There's moments where you remember yourself but a lot of the time it will be because it adds something to you. You go away with something. You go away fulfilling something that you feel like you haven't got. So therefore, this is why now I've recently been talking a lot about pointing out feelings. Because um, you can then feel... So the separate person, although it's a separate person, can feel what it's actually doing and understand its games. And through those games coming to light, those games begin to fade away. Because when you see that you're using an object to make you feel loved or make you feel special, then that object loses its attractiveness because you also see that it makes you suffer and you see the downside of it. But it's not even you doing it. It just is... It just comes to light and it just gets clear, just like, you know, Khaleesi, when she realises if she keeps chasing the rabbit, she gets told off by me, she eventually stops doing that. So when you see the pain that it brings by trying to validate yourself in the flow of things and that it never works, so when this comes to light, the energy stops going there and stops trying to do it. 
when you secretly feel it's giving it to something to you and you're not conscious of the dynamics and you really feel like the lover or non-duality is giving you something, you as a person, then the game carries on. The idea is that non-duality totally disappears and that the lover disappears. Like, um, and that's the end of seeking when you, you're no longer in relationship to it. It doesn't mean you stop listening to non-duality, but it, it's just it's not happening for you anymore. It's not giving you something in time anymore. So yeah. when you go to your feelings, you really begin to understand the dynamics that are playing out. And what you're looking for, but yeah, this can be really painful at points because when you when you do that, you then have to sit with the pain of feeling not good enough. So rather than going to get validation from someone or get love from someone, you have to actually sit with the pain of it. It just comes up and comes out of the body that you're not enough, you're not loved. You have that low self-esteem. Normally what we do is we're constantly trying to avoid admitting that. Even if we're doing something which validates that low self-esteem, we're doing it so we don't feel it, we don't think about it. Yeah. How, is there anything like, would you recommend just always for me maybe to be going into my feelings a lot more going into your feelings in but general. not all the time also listening to non-duality and recognizing that feelings aren't who you are who you truly are is that aliveness which is beyond feelings but yeah also becoming as a person as a separate entity so that one that feels like it can choose becoming aware of its feelings so becoming aware of its own dynamics because when you learn that something is burning you, then that energy will stop going there. And it's not you doing it, and it's not you waking up, but it's just like if you keep hitting your head on um, a low ceiling every day, then eventually, after doing it ten times, you're just naturally, your body's going to duck every time it gets to that ceiling. And it's not, it doesn't belong to anyone, it's just a functioning. When it comes to light, that... Um, that getting people's approval actually doesn't make you feel good. It makes you feel tense and it just perpetuates the feeling of lack or doing something for other people rather than doing what you want to do because you'd rather get the people's approval than have enough self-respect to do what you feel like you'd like to do um, begins to stop happening because you realize by doing that you actually make yourself feel like you're not enough. You make yourself feel unlovable by selling yourself short and doing something for other people. But it's a natural thing that happens through listening to non-duality and through the exploration of what the self is. And it's not somebody separate that's waking up, but it's life that's waking up. And it does it through, in a way, a logical process by exposing what the separate self is and what it's made of. But there isn't actually somebody that wakes up because there's nobody there. But it just gets exposed. Not all the time. Sometimes the sense of self just collapses with no exploration. But a lot of the time there's an exploration involved and there's a period of waking up. But then at the end it's seen that nobody ever woke up and that person that was deconstruction, deconstructed didn't deconstruct itself because it never existed. It was never a solid entity. 
<coughs> so, um, so really, most of, you, you said a little bit earlier, most of the stuff that I'm still doing now is all basically to get away from like how I feel about myself and yeah. low self-esteem and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why you've done the other thing that we've talked about in the past, but I won't say it out on stream. Like that. That's why you had those other that's issues okay. arising. That's okay, drugs stuff, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet, Sam. I love your honesty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Me trying to not be too... <laughs> yeah, it's because... It's because the... Sem- the it's because of low self-esteem but it's not just you Sam that has this this is most of humanity that has this this is most people as soon as the identification appears and then with the society and the way it's set up the schooling the education the advertising most separate selves have really low self-esteem and don't like themselves and what you're always taught as a separate entity, is not do what you want, not do what you feel. You're taught to be a robot and do what everybody else does and to not speak your mind. And therefore you oppress more and more and then you end up doing something like drugs because when you do drugs, you can fully be yourself. You forget about yourself, so therefore you're fully yourself. That's why our societies like alcohol as well. When you lived, like so if you lived in a tribe or a more primitive um, society, I don't know if that's the right words, I'm sorry, I might have been really on PC there, um, there isn't such an exposure to advertising, TV, um, internet, and therefore, even though they feel lack because they've become separate, they haven't had such a strong conditioning in it. Our society is totally based on selling us products to make us feel better about ourselves. And most people don't work, work that out. They spend their whole life trying to achieve and trying to get things, even enlightenment is sold to us on this basis. And in a way, it has to be, because that's the mentality of the seeker. So it has to be sold like, oh, you're going to wake up, and there's going to be this amazing waking up, and, and, and you're not complete as you are now. In a way, because that's the way our language is set up, so we have to speak of it like that. But yeah, basically, the reason that you seek, even seeking non-duality, is because of lack and in a way, it has to be like that. And I'm not suggesting stopping non-duality. Non-duality is the freedom. Like carry on listening and carry on doing it. But you have to become really aware of your essence, which is this beingness, which isn't separate from all things, and simultaneously expose the seeking game, the constant exposing of what dynamics are going on. Yeah. I mean... I remember, I don't know if, like, I know it's not your call really, but I, I seem to trust you for some reason and ask you for advice. I don't know what, if it's a good thing or not, but I do. <laughs> do you still think therapy would be something that would be useful for me? Because <clears throat> I'm really in two minds about it. Um, it depends on what therapy. Um, it's, I, I, would, I would prefer, like, some sort of non-dual therapy because basically... Talking about yourself and your story endlessly is not going to work, but there has to be an exploration, a constant pointing to um, what games are being played. And often when we're by ourselves and we do it by ourselves, we lie to ourselves a lot because it's more pleasurable. So then we tell a better story of ourselves. So we, <laughs> we're not honest about what's actually happening. But when you see a therapist or when you speak with somebody regularly, they can keep pointing out those dynamics. 
there has to be an exposing but it's very painful pointing out those dynamics so I wouldn't just recommend any therapy but some a therapist that has non-dual background and then also somebody that's maybe a bit more physical because just sitting I don't think does it I think sometimes when you're exposing these seeking patterns there has to be some physical way to get it out of your body because it's really uncomfortable so when I was waking up I used to do a lot of massage um, a lot of tai chi qigong um, I used to also do um, acupuncture and I used to do massage I used to have a hot tub at the time so I used to sit in in the hot tub and it had massage pumps and then I had a massage chair. So I was constantly like moving the body and encouraging that energy out of the body because it's really stressful in a way, becoming aware of the seeking patterns. Because when you become aware of them, you're no longer going over after the drug that satisfies that lack. So you're no longer going to um, get the love or get appreciation. So therefore, you have to actually sit in the pain of the lack. Yeah. It's um, much easier if you feel not enough to just pick up a phone and talk to a friend and then feel better and feel validated by telling them their pro- your problems or by talking about something that you both enjoy or whatever it is. By relating, it just dissipates that energy. And more often than not, the body's going to keep choosing that. So that's why doing therapy is a good thing or, yeah, those, or even going on retreats, but keep keep exploring those dynamics but also listening to that amnes because ultimately you're not your feelings but some non-duality teachers just recommend um totally ignoring the feelings like the thoughts but i think i've i've realized that that from speaking because i'm i never did that bypassing feelings because i always had such strong feelings i notice that a lot of people then bypass the feelings and they even though they recognize the amnesty, they're still living in a lot of dishonesty or not being honest or lies. Not lies like they're intentionally lying, but they're not being honest with what's actually happening in them. Yeah. So I've, there's still uh, a lot of I've seeking, probably... but then they're sitting there going, yes, there's nobody seeking here or there's nobody that wants anything here. But then there is still the energy of seeking, but they're not even aware of it because then they've cut themselves off a very because societies cut them off and then also non-dualities um, uh, suggested ignore the feelings and ignore the thoughts like concentrate on the amnes and just from six years now or however many years it is from speaking in one way that's a really beautiful teaching but in another way I've seen a lot of people very out of touch of what's actually happening so even though they might have a strong realization and a strong intellectual knowledge of non-duality their body is still very much seeking but they're cut off from it so they can't feel it so they even in a way feel peaceful because it's silent yeah but then you well, can that, see it through I... their actions so their actions can be uncompassionate or uncaring and this is another reason maybe why i've been hitting home on morality lately is because in this realization when it's really integrated into the body the body is not going to be nasty and some of the people that have come across that it's maybe more intellectual they're still playing quite nasty human games like um yeah like being disrespectful dishonest just yeah, i can't um 
so there's still a, a lot of that going on, but they're not even aware of it because to them they feel pay- peaceful because they're just living in this kind of dead state, which is much more better than what they maybe had before, but it's still very cut off. And when there is that collapse of that separate entity that's always seeking to be free in time, the body's not going to be hating or doing nasty things in order to make people feel bad or play power trips. The body's just going to be doing its thing. It might hurt people unconsciously just by not being aware of situations or dynamics or by not giving the other person what they want, but it's not going to be a nasty instrument anymore. It's not going to be acting out of hate. When there's that separate energy, that seeking energy, then it often is acting out of trying to feel better than the other person or feeling superior to the other person. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds a bit familiar for me for a while. Like, yeah. I don't know. But um, also, you have to just uh, tell me when you, you need to move on to someone else because otherwise I'll probably keep talking for ages. Oh, okay at the moment. Um, I, just if anyone's watching, I'm having to do weird things with my arm because my system, sound <laughs> system, isn't fully working at the moment. So people can see me doing this. You can't, Sam. I don't think you, you can see me. But um, um, yeah. the, the, um, the sound system, for some reason on this computer, when I speak to other people, it just gets louder and louder and louder and then it will start making terrible sounds. So I have to keep bringing the sound down manually with my hand. So I'm speaking with you and then also my hand has to keep clicking to bring the sound back again so i look most probably okay. weird that i'm sitting here going tick, tick, tick. <laughs> <laughs> but i am listening to you Need fully a new just computer or something actually you know it's i've come to a conclusion it's not the computer i thought it was the computer for a while it's just modern technology and like apple apple are a bit naughty they they always make things a bit difficult if it's not Apple or Mac program. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah, I see what you're saying. So it's like, it's, I think it's more to do with that than anything else. But I can get around it, and I will be getting more equipment to get around it, but it's like you have to keep adding equipment to get over these faults that are in the programming. But I don't even know if it is faults. I reckon Apple do it for more money to make sure you only buy Apple. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. They are good, but they know it. <laughs> yeah, and they, they want you to only use Apple products. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, just um, going back to something you said earlier about yeah. all the different styles of non-duality teaching and stuff. Mm-hmm. Th- that's something I was thinking about today because there's I've been I've listened I've had you know read a lot of different stuff, listened to a lot of different people, um, and like I don't know, is it? <laughs> this is you're probably not going to like this question but in your opinion could you t- tell some other teachers that you feel like are actually awakened well, <laughs> or not you know um i mean i think i've done this in the past but i mean i don't really know like um you can never really tell what is happening in the other bodies um but i also th- think you know that teachers have pros and cons like awakening, there's lots of different types of awakening, first of all. And then after the big awakenings, there's still processing that has to happen in the body. It's like the body has to catch up. And that might take whole lifetimes for the body to catch up with those energetic shifts. Um, and the okay. most important thing that I think that there is, is that energetic shift from being someone to that stillness. But then the body still has to catch up with that. Like the body still might have karmas or old thought processes of being separate still acting out, which I have happening. 
So I still have the digesting of that in a bodily level. Um, and I think that most teachers do, to be honest with you, even Ramana Maharshi. Um, and I think that also there's a part to it where it never ends because the body picks up new conditionings and those have to kind of get released again. So I do think that that's yeah. a never-ending thing. But the most important part is this energetical shift. And some speakers actually haven't had that energetical shift. They've just understood it intellectually. And yeah. um, uh, and then... And I think the way that you can tell it is it's like it's like an energetic thing and it's like they maybe express about love more. The ones that are more heady maybe express less about love, but that could just be conditioning. Like Muji, I beat up on him a lot, but I do think he's had yeah. the energetical awakening. Like I beat up on him because I find the Indian thing funny. But at the same time, that might be an, a karma that's working out of Muji's body, still the, the, <laughs> the Indian thing. But I do definitely think yeah. he's had the energetical awakening. You can just see it in his eyes and just by the way he talks. Like, yeah, yeah, cool. Like, so you can see... So, um, But I also do think that the Indian thing is really... like. I th I would say I that is like an old karma that's coming out of his body, like an attachment to, and and at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. The thing that matters is that energetical shift, and that that's the important part. It's not the doing the Indian thing or the the whole guru thing that matters. And everything, in a way, is perfect. Like it's happening perfect. So if you're attracted to a heady teacher that's not enlightened, then that's got its perfect part to play. That is exposing something. And at some point there will be a movement away from that whenever that energy that, that attracted you to them has come out of the body. Like there's no danger zones. It's not like anyone can go the wrong way because nobody's acting independently. So even if that happens, that's, that's the perfect way of things. Yeah, how about, um, did you ever, I'm reading a book at the minute I really like by Jay Krishnamurti. Have you ever read anything by him? No. Is he the the older one, the one that died first? Yeah, I think he's dead now. Yeah, they're both but dead. Really low. Yeah. And if it resonates, that's the most important thing because, because you, if you've not got passion for something, then you can't, like forcing yourself into something isn't the way to go. So if you've got passion for mm. a particular speaker mm. or... Oh. Sorry, that's my phone ringing. That's okay. If you've got a passion for that way of speaking, then totally indulge it. I mean, you've got to go where the heart goes. That's what society's taught you. Is It's taught you the opposite. It's said, don't trust yourself, always trust someone else, and always follow your intellect. But if there's a passion for that speaker, then that's the way to go. And it doesn't matter if I yeah. say they're rubbish or not rubbish. It doesn't, like, that doesn't matter. Because no, that's it. It's got to be a following of that. But at the same time, there's got to always be an exposing of what's actually going on. So there has to be an exposing of those dynamics and explore the dynamics and what you like and what you get from them. But at the same time, follow it. Like any yeah, exposure to non-duality is better than none. I'm sorry, I'm a real fan of non-duality. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really complicated. Like, w what you said about um, that even, you know, non-duality goes away, but it doesn't go away because you can still keep listening to it, but it stops doing something for you. Yeah. I guess I have to know where the reasons why I'm 
uh, but who knows why I'm listening to it? Like, I could no, be doing yeah. something else right now. Yeah, and but I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, but don't go too intellectual about it. Go to the feelings. So go into right. like, don't think about it too much. Like, go into the feelings, and you don't need to work it out, and it doesn't need to be done now. Just gently over time, keep see seeing and exploring what you feel. And don't make any conclusions. Yeah. Just in every moment, expose it again. Like we try to make a conclusion of this is why I've done things or this is why. And that's not really important. It's about in the moment explose, explore, exploring what's going on. And every time in a way it's a fresh rather than keep fixing it or in a certain way. Like we sometimes get into this mentality of we've got to work ourselves out. And yourself is always changing. You just have got to expose what's going on now. So right now, what do you feel like you're getting it from it? Like when you're reading the book later, what do you feel, what's it giving you? And you don't need to spend that much time on it, but just become aware of it. And you don't need yeah. to summarize or conclude, just a, an exploration of what's actually happening in the body. What happens in your body when you read that book? And then you're like, oh, it relaxes me. Okay, so this relaxes me and it feels nice. And that doesn't mean stop doing it, or it relaxes me, therefore it's bad, but just an acknowledgement of that's what's happening. Most of the time we walk around just following pleasures and not even aware of it. We're not even aware of what we're doing. So, you know, we might be in an abusive relationship and the reason that we stay in an abusive relationship is because that's what's familiar to us. And our body might be hating it and not enjoying it, but because there's that fami the familiarness with it, there keeps being a repetition of it. But if there's an exploration of that, it will begin to stop happening because you'll see the pain that it's producing. So it's always just looking at what's going on. But in the moment, don't make too much of a story about yourself or your feelings. It comes and it goes. Yeah. It's different. It's always changing depending on the external and what's happening there. So right now, mm. what does your body feel like? So not what you felt earlier or later, but what do you feel now? Yeah, right now. Um, kind of a bit more comfortable. Yeah. Um... Still a little bit of tension in my like stomach and um, below that as well. Like I don't know, what's the word? Bowel or something. Yeah. Bladder. Um. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. You see, I've always, especially when I was smoking and drinking and stuff, I've always got this pain almost in my neck, and I, I kind of have stopped feeling it over the years. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's been there all my life or what, but I'm always pretty much uncomfortable in my body, and so maybe I've just stopped trying to feel it. Yeah, totally, totally. And the reason that you've become uncomfortable in your body, Sam, is because you went through this whole education system that made you sit, and you went through this whole conditioning as a child that made you do so many things you didn't want to do. So you just basically had to sit down and shut up. And the best thing that you could do was just cut off from what you're feeling in your body. You had so many years yeah. of sitting in the classroom, sitting there, being told what to do, not being able to play, not being able to do yeah. the natural <laughs> instincts. And so therefore, everybody does it. And everybody's feeling pain in their body. It's so unhealthy to sit nine hours or ten hours in the office like people do. And the way they do it, and the most successful people in terms of money and society is the ones that are most detached from the way they feel really they've totally yeah. cut off any pain from it and and the only way you're going to get rid of the pain is by becoming yourself again 
So following Sam and following Sam's love rather than following fear and lack. And the way that you go about doing that is firstly listening to non-duality and remembering who Sam truly is, which is that amnes, and that everything comes from that amnes, and then also exploring what the false Sam is doing, what the illusion is doing, what the taught Sam is doing, what the lackful and fearful Sam is doing, what it's trying to seek for, and becoming aware of those dynamics. And sitting through the pain yeah. to an extent acknowledging the pain in the body and, and allowing it to come to the surface rather than trying to cut it off. So the pain in the neck, just giving it attention. Yeah. I have this weird thing as well. It's just reminded me when you said that about feeling the pain. Because I've heard you, you, you've started talking more recently about um, feeling the feelings and stuff. Yeah. Sometimes when I, a lot of the time it would just be when I remember something in the past, normally something that I feel embarrassed by, probably a, a lack thing or some really uncomfortable memory. It's normally a memory. And like, as I actually remember it, it kind of, I try to feel the fear, but simultaneously to remembering it, as soon as it's remembered, I kind of, sometimes I like, I'll say something um, like making some noises and be like, oh, well, well no, please no, or um, I'll just screw my face. And it's kind of like, I don't know if that's blocking it off, but it makes it, it does it maybe make it harder to feel it? Because I'm kind of, as soon as I'm feeling that uncomfortable feeling from the memory, I'm kind of, I, I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I sometimes say things like, oh, no, please no, or, you know, I will, yeah. you know, kill me now, or weird things like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it is cutting off from from the feelings. And the thing is, as well, those feelings haunt us. While we feel like we don't want to feel them, in a way, they stay in play. And and you, there's quite there's not that many feelings that we have. We have a limited range of feelings as humans. Um, yeah. And basically, we never want to feel any of the negative ones. And because we don't want to feel any of the negative ones, say embarrassment or shame. We therefore cut them off and what we do is we give ourselves an underlying anxiety by cutting them off, an underlying discomfort which is just a hum, but what it does is it takes out the intensity of that feeling in the moment. Right, yeah. How can I get more, when it comes up, get deeply into it or is that something yeah. like what with therapy and that? Therapy or um, ther certain therapists, I mean a lot of therapists aren't aware of this subject and then I think therapy is kind of pointless. Well, they've got to have a bit of awareness of this subject. Um, yeah, but, there's a good good one I could use, I think. Yeah, um, and um, so you can have somebody leading you, but also if by yourself, when that discomfort comes up, so say if you're in a room full of people and you feel shame or embarrassment, if you could just go to another room or go to the toilet and just give yourself five minutes and locate where you feel that in the body and sort of like encourage it, like almost like a yeah I've heard you say this before like, encourage it now this isn't for everybody and um, like this is what I'm expressing to Sam now this is why I say it to everyone else because if you've been repressing your feelings for a long time then you might need to do it in a safe environment and do it in a therapeutic environment um, but if you feel like you can so if you feel the shame just let it come up and like flood your body so you feel it all over your body and then it's in a way it's like coming out so when birds or animals feel stressed they they often have like a way of releasing it so Khaleesi after she's had a bit of a 
to do, although I really can't speak badly about her behaviour anymore, she's very good, but today a few times in the market she had a little bit of a growl at some dogs, and often what she does afterwards is she, she sort of shakes it off, like the body shakes, or she yawns, like she yawns it out. So when you're doing this, it's like bring it up to the max and just let it come up to the max. Um, and any thoughts that you think about it aren't true. But obviously, if you've not felt your feelings for a very long time, then you might need to not do it at a party, but do it in your own room and give yourself quite a few hours yeah. to sort of relax and have music. And, um, because it okay, can be so quite intense. Okay, so maybe do it as a thing. Or, th- or do yeah. it in therapy, therapy with someone, because when you've been cut off for so many years, if you then suddenly have a feeling, an intense feeling again, it can be overwhelming or shocking for people. Because they are overwhelming feelings, but I really love my feelings now. It's they're like colour. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, maybe, maybe I need to make more of a, a thing of it, like plan to do it. Because I've been trying to catch the feelings as they come up, and it's only for that. Like, I don't, it seems like maybe you're right. I'm cut off. I don't have that many bad feelings apart from that underlying con and uncomfortableness yeah. when you come up like really intense strong feelings I try and catch them then but like I said I'll just I'll make a noise or something yeah. and then I'll, I'll then as soon as I've done that it's like the feeling's gone and I'll try and think about it but it's gone if you know what I mean yeah. you could spend time like evoking a memory that makes you feel really uncomfortable but sometimes it's good yeah. to let life do it like to let life put you in a very uncomfortable situation like in a sense of in yeah, relationships the- or that's the thing. I was gonna like, especially the last few weeks now. I've been going through so much pain. Like I've been for for a lot of years, maybe because of drugs and stuff. I didn't used to really get that emotional, but I've been crying and really feeling like I couldn't have felt any worse without dying, sort of thing. Yeah. And I've gone through a lot. And I've always said to myself, "Oh, well, this pain is probably just like burning or something, and then I might wake up." But I'm not so sure, really. It just seems like I've gone through a lot of pain. I don't know. I think that this is it coming to the surface. This is the reason why you have the underlying anxiety is because of these repressed feelings. So I think it is coming to the surface. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah. But you sometimes might feel that you need a guide more. I can understand why you keep wanting to phone in and talk <laughs> because it's it is overwhelming when you feel them. And the thing, the trick is with feelings is never ever believe what they're saying. Be aware of what they're saying. But never believe it. It's just not true. You only feel like it in that moment. And then when it passes, you no longer feel like that. Feelings, the thoughts always try and wrap up the feelings. Oh, I've always felt like this. Or it's always doom and gloom. Or I'm never going to get over this. Yeah. But none of that's true. But but just how, do it in a more conscious way as in being aware of what you're doing that you're emotionally releasing. And you can read about it on the internet. You could find therapists. It's really good yeah. and beautiful. Because I've heard you say that before as well, to hear what the feeling says, yeah. and I've never been able to do that. But do you mean hear what the thoughts? Oh yeah, well, around the, the feeling. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, because yeah, I, I got confused by that. I misunderstood it. Yeah. In some ways, sometimes you can feel like the feelings are talking, but not. But it, yeah, it's really just know, the thoughts. But you can feel like they're producing the thoughts, like I'm not enough or. I don't like this. And you're basically fine with all feelings. You can take them back to two basic feelings. They'll fall in one or two categories. 
So even if you feel shame or embarrassment or guilt, whatever it is, then these two basic feelings of fear and lack, and sometimes they cross over into both categories. So say something like shame, you're ashamed of something you did. That comes from that there is that you are somebody, first of all, so that you are something. And that somebody that you are is not enough. And in comparison to other people, it's done something bad and shameful. So it thinks of an action and then it uses that action to feel like it's very low and that nobody else likes it. And this isn't even conscious, this thought process, but that's what the feeling's very quickly doing. So you have all these other people that are looking down on you and then you feel ashamed of what you've done. But the separate self has imagined both realities. It's imagined you that feels shameful for something it's done in comparison to others. And shame can... Not really shame, but there, there are still feelings that arise, like I can feel embarrassed, say, if I'm doing a talk and then at the end of the talk I look down, this has happened before, and I realise my trousers are undone, and I'm like, nobody told me! <laughs> <laughs> like, and then suddenly yeah. your cheeks go. So these sort of feelings can happen, but what happens when you're separate is it lasts, and then often you try to repress that, and then what it ends up being is an underlying just dis-ease all the time. So you feel these feelings, yeah. the actions that you've done that you feel shameful for, and they kind of last. It kind of makes up your sense of self. So therefore, you're always trying to avoid being ashamed or doing anything shameful. So then you're always hindering your natural flow. You're always pulling back from your natural flow. Yeah. Because you're afraid of that feeling. Like before, I'd have never yeah. been able to do these talks on the internet. I'd have been... Well, way too self-conscious and embarrassed and what would people think and I just have so much feeling around it whereas now it's just the way it is that's what Lisa does it doesn't really get much energy yeah you wouldn't have been able to do them no I'm actually my natural personality is a bit hermit and introvert I know I don't seem like that but that's because life requires me to be an extrovert when I'm doing these talks and it just does that. Yeah. But it's not actually its natural inclination. And um, okay. and and before when I was identified, I had a strong aversion of doing anything like this. And I always wanted to, my role wanted to play submissive. So I wanted to be led by someone else. I wanted to um, have someone save me. That was the Lisa role. Or I wanted to be the, the saver. But it was, it was like a, in relationship... I never wanted to be the person that saved people. I wanted to be saved. I wanted to save animals. In a way, yeah. I did want to save other people because you're kind of playing both roles in your imagination, but mostly I was identified with being saved. Okay. So it wasn't, it just wouldn't be my personality to do this sort of thing at all. But it looks like it is now because I don't have any resistance or issues to doing it and talking and yeah, yeah. these sorts of things so when you were getting into non-duality it was the same for you really you just wanted to get away from something as well yeah totally totally i mean i was an addict as well i was bulimic but yeah. bulimia they consider more of an addiction than the other eating disorder so it falls more in in line with alcoholism from what i understand or what they had what their knowledge was 15 years or 16 or 17 years ago. Um, so I can I was, understand that, yeah. I was a, 
yeah, because basically it gives you loads of endorphins doing that. You binge, so you get lots of endorphins, and then you feel really bloated. And then when you're being sick, it releases lots of endorphins. So it's like a drug. It both yeah. ways. And you, you enjoy the sickness as well, because the sickness is such a relief because you're so bloated. It's really bizarre. It seems like such a weird addiction, and it's a weird one to fall into. And oh my goodness, the shame I had in confessing that I was a bulimic. Like, I would be like, please really, yeah. let me be anything else than somebody that makes oh, themselves no. sick. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, so yeah. embarrassing. Like, I remember, I would rather have been anorexic, like anything than a bulimic. And I, I was for a little bit anorexic, but not very long. As soon as I discovered bulimia, I was like, woohoo! <laughs> but it is so embarrassing to admit to people. Like, I remember, like, saying it to my parents, I had to put, like, a cloth over my head to say it to them because I needed to, I needed them to pay for therapy for me, so I had to tell them. I wouldn't have told them otherwise, but I was like, you're going to have to send me to the Priory. Have you heard of the Priory? Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. <laughs> did you go there, then? Yeah. I did, but then at the Priory, I was like, yeah. I was, I really wanted therapy, but they just put me on, um, but it co- coincided with me leaving home. And so when I left, left home, it broke the habit of doing it. And then yeah. when I went to the Priory, because I'd broken the habit from leaving home and the change of environment and dynamics, um, because I'd done it by myself, my psychiatrist wouldn't send me to therapy and just put me on like a, um, a pill that took away urges to do it or pills that they thought... Mm. And I just, I kept fighting with him. I used to go and see him every month. I want to go to therapy. I want to go for therapy. And, um, yeah. and he was like, no, no, you really don't need it. And I don't know. It's weird that he was like that. You'd think he'd want to sell it. So, in the, so yeah, then I sought yeah. it myself. So then I went into, I was already seeking this sort of subject, but I went into, you know, Buddhism and meditation. And I started learning about it all myself and exploring. But yeah. But that was so yeah, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. So when when I got into this subject, you know, my body was very uncomfortable because I'd spent from the age of ten to the, about the age of nineteen basically abusing my body from eating disorders. So my body was physically ill, and um, and you know my mentality was ill because there's a reason why a young person starts doing that. Like there's there's something that. That's, that's really strong in their dynamics which is basically abusing themselves so much and hating themselves so much like I hated myself everything I found in society so awkward I found being attractive I found sexuality everything so incredibly awkward I found the idea of money overwhelming like the idea that I had to support myself like so much I found uncomfortable I didn't get socializing I felt too much pressure to talk and to be social and yeah so so my way of dealing with that was this fixation on eating and purging and eating and purging and then when I came off of that I was really uncomfortable so I had to go through I then went through five years of um, Buddhism where basically um, I sat and meditated so much so I became really comfortable with my own company because I was so afraid of being alone because of the bulimia so I I sit and meditate and do the sensations feel the body feel the sensations the discomfort and it was really beautiful but at times it was so incredibly painful after having such an extreme swing from being a bulimic and eating disorder for 10 years to then um, 
going into this meditation and sitting with all this pain and discomfort and the aches and pains that came out of my body and then also the fakeness of the aches and pains because a lot of the aches and pains were mind-made, were in my imagination but I only began to notice that from sitting and actually coming back to the experience and how much, so much of it was created by my mind um, and so much of my thoughts. Oh, you mean were, it wasn't really there? Yeah, it wasn't really there. I would sometimes be in meditation so I'd do this certain meditation practices and my legs felt like they were breaking and I was in so much pain that I almost felt like I'd cry from the pain of it and I felt like my legs had been broken from the pain and I, I'd be desperate to finish the meditation and every second I was like wanting the meditation to end and then when the meditation ended and I moved my legs, my legs were fine. My whole imagination yeah. just made it up. It's really amazing what the mind does. And through this five years of meditation, I really began to explore the nature of the mind. And they were very much into meditation. And because I was quite fixated on, well, nothing in the flow I already realized will make me happy. And I'd had many awakenings, so I was fixated on this. I just really went for it. So I'd, I did so much meditation in those five years. Yeah. Like I did an hour, yeah, maybe at least an hour yeah. by myself every day. And then I used to go on retreats where I'd do 10, 11 hours meditating a day. Was, yeah, um, wow. Yeah. It was really, really beautiful. And then, and then I began to get into non-duality through the Buddhism. Um, but even yeah. when I got into non-duality, I still did lots of sitting. Because I didn't yeah. have any meditation practices anymore. But I would just sit there. So if I felt uncomfortable, I would just sit there and wait for it to pass and I'd just become aware of the discomforts and where they were in the body and how the body worked. Yeah. That was intense. And um, I just just kept exploring. I don't know why, but this body, this mind just was determined that money, kids, family, nothing in the flow would satisfy me. That first of all, I had to... Um, find out the peace in me, the freedom in me. It would never yeah. work the other way around. So it was just incessant. It was like fixated. Maybe the bulimia and the fixating <laughs> on the bulimia was a good thing because then it <laughs> then it shifted from that to the fixation with freedom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is gonna sound really horrible, but it's really nice for me to hear how fucked up you were. Because I, I always thought I was. <laughs> I know you can't. I always thought I was one of the most. At least being a heroin addict is more dignified. I'm sorry. I know heroin addicts are gonna disagree <laughs> than a freaking bulimic. Out of all the ones I got. <laughs> I don't understand how come you think that's so embarrassing, though. I guess I try not to judge people, maybe. But. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you're right, totally. Because when you see somebody screwed up on drugs, then. Right, like, I don't, yeah, but none of it's bad. Did, none of it's bad. I, I, I mean, just the way society is. People are so weird. The way that they stand on the tube and look in people's eyes, and like a whole society is weird. So ultimately, not. But at the time, I felt very ashamed of that habit, and I wanted to be any yeah. other addict than a bulimic. Yeah, yeah, you didn't like yourself at all. Yeah, and then also I just found the fact that it was such a weird one, like making yourself sick. Like, it, it's more understandable, I felt, other drugs. But maybe that's yeah, very understandable I, I, to people, the food drug. 
Yeah, yeah, I get it. I even know what you mean about being sick, because um, sometimes when I used to take drugs, they'd make me sick, and it was really nice to be sick. Yeah. I'd be looking forward to it. Yeah. You get addicted. <laughs> People don't understand that about bulimics, that they're just as addicted to the sickness as they are to the binging. Yeah. And yeah, I think most people can understand sometimes it's nice to binge a load of food, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know. But yeah, that always kind of held me up because I've... Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I've been so fucked up. Like you said, I mean, I've been different to you, but I've had, like, drug problems. Um, always, like, low self... As a, growing up and stuff, as, like, a young teenager and stuff, so self-conscious, yeah. I used to... Hated, like, especially to do with my body and stuff. I was feeling like I was too fat and, yeah. I don't know, I was just, everything, I had really bad spots and then, and to do with relationships and everything, like, I, I found it really hard to start getting into putting myself out there. Yeah. My tendency was just to try and, like, hide away, you know? Yeah. But this is and so all sorts of other things, like... Yeah, this is so beautiful that it, that you begin to be honest about it because this is when it really begins to change and... Um, and and it's beautiful that you had that because if you didn't have that then you wouldn't explore if people can get away with mild discomfort and carry on living life and producing money and doing the regular then they will and in a way you have to have these extreme situations not all the time but a lot of the time in order to explore the nature of reality because it's really really scary questioning yourself and, and it's really painful questioning your motives in a way, it's so much easier taking the drug and being told that you're lovable and getting girlfriends or a family or money or just taking any drug. It's easier to do than to actually sit with the pain of it, of feeling unlovable. But the only way to break it is to let it come to the surface rather than playing unconsciously. And always when you're listening to awakening stories, in some way life snookered them and made them face up to the experience. And, and so it's really beautiful, yeah. Sam, and in a way it does have to attract us, us Looney Tunes, even though we're not, I'm just joking. <laughs> but it does have to, because if you could get away with it, if the person could get away with it, it would. And I'm beginning to notice with my friends, my childhood friends who are doing the kids and the whole normal, regular society thing, that they're beginning yeah. to open up to these things, because they're now getting to a, a place a level of pain which is becoming unbearable. So their whole life they've done the work, they've done the boyfriends and it's all been, it's been good enough. And now they've got two or three kids, they're really beginning to find life hard. So I notice that they're beginning to be more open to this yeah. subject. But, but because they maybe had higher self-esteem or they had a more balanced sense of self, when they were younger, they didn't question it. But I notice now, particularly that they've, they've got onto their second or third kid, that they're really beginning to yeah. find that hard. I can imagine it's really hard. And so, therefore, they're beginning to explore outside the box. Yeah, so maybe we were lucky to be um, so fucked up in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it happened in fast forward for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah in a way yeah, I mean it. in a way I think that has an element of truth to it because it made us really aware of what this was it made us question what this was 
Whereas yeah. you can, if you can get away with not questioning what this is and feeling good enough, then the person will because it's too much to question. What's yeah, doing. I guess it, if I'd have felt better, I'd have never started looking into all this. Never. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice, Sam. It's funny because I wrote nice. that to you on um, Skype yesterday about the conversations, and now it feels like there's been a break and we really connected in the conversation. Isn't that really oh, that's sweet? Nice, yeah. It really felt like a that's nice connection. I think we've talked for a, a long time as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think also, I'm not sure, but my thinking is maybe because when I used to always ring up, apart from the first one or two times I'd rung up, I was it was when I was smoking weed every day, so that probably doesn't help me to really listen and connect, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's but a, now I feel like my mind's a lot clearer. Yeah. Yeah, that's most probably it as well. It really felt like we connected this time when we spoke. So nice. Yeah, that's really, really nice to talk. Thanks, Lisa. Yeah, oh, thanks, Sam. It was really lovely to talk. Thank you. Can I just say one last thing as well to anyone? If there's anyone listening, there's probably not in Norfolk, England, or knows someone in Norfolk, England that might be interested in non-duality. I'd be interested to get in touch with them because I, I can't find anyone around here that is interested. You know. Oh, nice. There was a young woman that I knew a few years ago that used to come to my talks, but I've lost contact with her now. But yeah, that's really nice, and they can write to me, and I'll put them in contact with Sam. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Thank you. Alright. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Alice. Um, yeah. Bye, bye. What, what's nice since non-duality is being shared openly on the internet via the internet is that the sorts of religious side of it that's sort of linked with awakening is getting put aside now and it only does good. Religion has never resulted in any ultimate good in the end. I really had to write this bit since you were talking about Muji Indian thing and the ridiculousness of it. Yeah. The only time I don't think it's ridiculous and I think it serves a person is if somebody really rejects it. A sense serves a purpose. If someone really rejects it, then I think it's really beautiful to open that side because there's nothing in this world that can be rejected. So if someone really hates religion, then that can be really beautiful, the exploration of it. Ali, so do you need to have headphones? Yes. I found headphones, but I don't know what to ask. You're so beautiful. <laughs> if you have lots calling, I'll try next time. Oh, sweet. I have, that's nice, but I have no idea how to pronounce your name in Greek. But thank you. I'm sure you know who I'm speaking to. Sebastian. Hi, Lisa. What do you th think about hardcore Invitians like Tony Parsons saying that nothing can be done for the realization of oneness? I think, Sebastian, that you don't understand what Tony's saying. That's not what he says. Sebastian! <laughs> they say that realization of oneness happens uncaused, reasonless, randomly. What does Lisa think about this? They don't say that, Sebastian. <sighs> you misunderstand what they say. You summarize what they say. Did you ever hear them say that? Or is that your interpretation of what they say? Your mind even thinks that's what they say. I'll tell you what Tony says. And I really, really like Tony and I really appreciate his work and I think it's really beautiful. I also think that people can take it to the extremes and believe it's the new religion or the new God and get stuck in that way of thinking. And I think that most people misinterpret what he says. They don't say there's nothing you can do. 
they say there is no you. That's entirely different. The you is always doing something. And they don't say it happens uncaused. They don't say that because then that would imply that something happens to someone. They're saying that who you are is the core, is the causeless that's always here and it's not someone it happens to. So it's not that person that can cause its own awakening. That person doesn't exist. Underlying my message, I'm saying the same thing. That person cannot awake itself. Who awakens? Who can cause its awakening? What causes a thunderstorm? Where is the beginning of a thunderstorm? Where is the beginning of this universe? Where is the beginning of somebody's awakening? And how can you say what causes awakening? A butterfly on the other side of the universe causes somebody's awakening? Or because they did emotional technique releases or once listened to Lisa Cairns? Everything we think, everything we know is a craziness. We made up as humans the idea of cause and effect. We made it up. So therefore, how can it apply to this? But ultimately, you can't speak like that. And we then go back into speaking in the human terms. But even what I recommend isn't me recommending it to someone. You might think I'm recommending that to someone, but I'm not. There isn't anyone there that could or couldn't do anything. It happens. It's a happening. I love a Tony, but like everything, it has its plus and its minuses. I also meet people that go to Tony for many years, really don't understand what he says, and then think they're enlightened because they intellectually understand it. And I don't understand the meanness and the some of the nastiness that goes on at Tony's, like the meanness to people. He does not recommend anything to do as far as I know. But just listening to his talks is something. So he might not recommend it because he doesn't see somebody there. But it's a happening. He also says if you meditate for 20 years and you think, well, then meditating was a waste of time, he says it can't be because it couldn't happen any way, other way. He does recommend going to his retreats. I know that if you speak to him personally on the phone, and being in the energy of someone, but anyway, even recommending or not, that's beside the point. So, Sebastian, you have to look inside you of what's addicted to that, doing something. What if you took away that belief that you can do something to get somewhere? What does that make you feel? Normally, it makes people feel too out of control of their experience and then they feel afraid. So therefore they keep repeating that they can do something to get somewhere. But who? Who can do something to get somewhere? Who? Who are you? Who's doing this? Who's creating this? Who creates thoughts? Who creates urges? But thanks, Sebastian. I love it when I get feisty like that. I love that energy. Hey, Lisa. You sound very soft and Sam sounds quite a bit louder than you. Hope this helps. Oh, really? I was trying to control the, um, the sound. Yeah, I'm going to get this like soundboard soon, so that will help. Oh, yeah, and guys, if you feel like um, 
not many people donate for these online sessions. I'm not complaining or anything, but if any of you guys feel like donating to help for all this equipment I've been buying, I would really appreciate it. Some people did donate, which was really sweet of them. Um, recently, they sent a message saying it's for your online equipment. That would be very quite kind. I don't take money for this, and and. I, people don't really donate for online talks. I get money for doing retreats and I get money for doing sessions, but people don't really donate for this. Can you please explain that this is that it doesn't matter when people turn your back on you, dis you dislike you? It's painful when people dislike you, but freedom isn't found in the flow. Okay, guys, thank you. See you Wednesday. <laughs>